The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Tech Cat Show with host Lori H. Schwartz. Each week we hear from established leaders in the technology and consumer industry. Finding out the scoop should never be this much fun. Now, here is your host, Lori H. Schwartz. Hello, you crazy and wacky wild audience. This is Lori H. Schwartz, the Tech Cat, coming to you with tech trends impacting your business. And today, we have a really exciting show. We have one of my favorite people, I think, in the whole world, and and it's a big world, Mr. John Dorham, who I'm calling the Gentleman Marketer. And John is currently the president of Catalyst S Plus F and many other things as well. And if you've ever been in advertising, marketing, in ad tech or martech, you've heard of John Dorham. He is a legend. Um, people part when he walks in a room. <laughs> He's one of the biggest minds in marketing today. Ladies and gentlemen, John Durham. Good Woo! afternoon, guys. You got me blushing. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Going wild. So, John, for, for people that don't know you, um, I would love for you to just give a, a kind of summary of who you are and what you've been uh, up to, because uh, pretty much if, if you, li- literally, if you've been working in advertising, you know, you're sort of a legend, um, but I'd love to hear you explain yourself to people who, who maybe are outside of the industry and, and don't know who you are. Well, um, I, I run a firm here in San Francisco, based in San Francisco, in which we do strategy and working for clients. I also teach at the University of San Francisco, which is a lot of fun, both undergrad and MBA in advertising, uh, which has been doing that for, gosh, 23 years. And I've worked on both the publishing side and the agency side, and I like them both. And I think it's, um, it's a significant amount of fun. I've built sales forces and, 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 and startups and have sold them and started Callus with a couple people about eight years ago. And we work on strategy and startups and brands who want a digital roadmap. Uh, when, when you um, navigate the advertising world today, have you found it just immediately to be very different from what it was when you started Catalyst those years ago? Absolutely. I think it's, I think it's a, probably a more interesting time than it ever has been. Uh, I also find that it's also, you know, with that opportunity comes a bit challenging but I think it's actually a fun time. I think this is the best time to be in this business. Um, when you so the the way that I met John was uh, was at a conference, uh, a series of conferences through a company called iMedia, where you were actually running a sort of side uh, event there, where you were gathering together marketers. And it, what was that? The Aspen Group is that what that yes. was called? Yes. Uh, and I know that over time you know, you would come back and report on, on things that are going on in the industry. And I'm wondering from, from that experience, you know, what you've learned over the last few years about where the business is going. Uh, the business is, is actually, that's a great question. It's one that I've thought about in anticipation of today. 
I think we have serious talent challenges. Uh, I think technology is, is probably as opportunistic as it has ever been for, for marketers and all the different things that come with it. Brands are facing big challenges and they're looking for big solutions. They're looking for big ideas. Um, and there's just a lot of smart, fun people, Lori, in the business now. And I think that's very exciting. It's just about energy. It's about enthusiasm. And I, and I don't think I've seen that in a long time. I think there was a couple years, 9, 10, 09, 10, 11, that I think a lot of people question, oh, my gosh, am I in the right business? There's a, you know, is it going? But we're now entering a, you know, like digital's now 21 years old. So we're, it's, it's the young adult phase, and it's just so much fun. Well, so what um, you, you and I am preparing for this, you had four specific areas that, that you wanted to talk about, and I'd love to dig into them because, you know, there are certainly the four topics that you mentioned is what everybody is talking about right now. And I'd love to hear your insights uh, about them, especially coming from having been in the business for so long and having seen trends come and go and tech platforms come and go and many different business models come and go. And so the first one that, that you mentioned to me that you thought was a, a really interesting area of change was virtual reality. So obviously that's a really hot topic right now. Everybody's talking about that. There are tons of companies launching. And I don't think I've seen this much money being invested in Hollywood in a long time. So what are your thoughts about virtual reality? I think it's, the, I just think it's the, uh, it's the it's the hot. I mean, it's hot because it's fun. I think it allows uh, just a great opportunity for a brand to get totally, immer- you know, people to get totally immersed in into an experience. I think it's real. Uh, I think these people who say, "Oh, there's much to do about nothing," I think they're on crack. I think <laughs> it's exciting. Uh, I think it's engaging as as could be. I recently saw. Uh, a, a virtual reality experience, Laurie, of, of uh, the building of Rome and the Colosseum and the excitement when Rome was the center of the world. And I felt like I literally was in the midst of being in the Colosseum and, and Julius Caesar was around. And, and it, literally, I took my, the glasses off to, after about seven or eight minutes. And I just had to sort of shake myself back into you know, being in reality because I felt like I literally was transported and so engaged in almost every part of being in Rome. And as someone who's I've been there several times, it literally brought it alive for me. And I think if I'm a brand, I'm looking at this, I get my customers engaged. Time becomes inconsequential in this because you're, you're there for two, three, four, five, six minutes. And you're just so immersed in that immersion can pay off if it's done right. And right now it's Hollywood, and yes, it's excitement, but I think the Samsung glasses that are out, I think the Oculus uh, glasses that are coming out in early January are really going to get people very excited. We're actually working with a couple of clients right now that are looking at virtual reality in fields that you wouldn't necessarily imagine. And you were actually to create some experiences that I think are going to be very exciting for them. I'm just... I'm very high on it. It's not going to go away. Well, when you talk about clients and other categories, because when we talk about revenue generation from virtual reality, what people, what a lot of analysts are saying is that the money is going to flow not from entertainment, but from healthcare and automotive and other business categories that 
can really use it to create customer engagement. Is that the type of conversations that you're having right now with brands? Or absolutely, is, absolutely. So, okay, so it is. financial services. Think about it. You know, financial services relatively traditional in their approach, even digitally. They're the ones looking at it. Look, you know, Hollywood is always out there. It does great stuff, and it's ahead of the game. But where it's going to take off, and the analysts are right when it is in the basic, what I call basic marketing spend, healthcare, travel, CPG. Uh, you know, again, coming back to healthcare, we're working primarily in, in looking at financial services and a healthcare opportunity because they are exciting and they actually do allow a brand to get in front of you in a way that's not going to just make you mad. <laughs> you mean make you mad in the sense of being too much of a message, but yeah, actually being way, way too, way too interruptive, way too, you know, getting on your nerves, trying, trying to sell you in a way, the virtual reality experiences that, that we're seeing and the ones that I've been looking at that are coming out of the UK the brands are just a part of the experience, which is really great because they're they're your they're your allies. They're you know you're engaged with them, but you're just not turned off by them. So is it is it more like then the old sort of sponsorship mo- model of the Colgate Hour, or is it more sort of a newer model of we're providing you a utility? I think it's a combination of both. When you say that because I actually do believe it's that original you know. Soap opera is sponsored by, you know, Palmolive, sponsored by Tide. I do believe it's that. And I believe, while there is the opportunity for just from direct messaging opportunities, it is that sponsorship that does surround you. And one of the reasons why sponsorship is, is and always has been is because it's a way to make people feel very comfortable in the association with the brand. And I think VR is going to do that. You know, I, I, as a technologist, I've been looking at VR for the last couple of years and, and, you know, obviously now that it's exploding, a lot of people are calling me about it. Personally, I haven't seen anything, and this is totally a gender thing, I haven't seen anything that's really gotten me personally excited because I'm not a gamer and I'm not um, into, like, shoot 'em up or horror films or anything like that. So I'm aching for a VR experience that, you know, is relative and relevant to me as, as a woman, um, you know, navigating my life. Um, do you think that that's going to come soon? Because right now it just seems like it's pretty picture, drop me in a cool place, or it's gamer kind of horror showy stuff. I want to say that you are where we want to be. I think that's probably in the next six to eight months. Right now, the stuff that's out there that's pretty engaging is brands like Hanukkah brands like Stella. Um, and you're right, it is gaming. It is very young. It is driven against that high entertainment pitch. We're looking at financial services brands that are the product that we're working on is targeted uh, to men and women 25 to 44, um, still playing on some traditional audience demos. But I do think where you're going is probably what you're asking is about six months away. Uh, healthcare is definitely, I think healthcare will be very strong for women, at least some of the initial stuff that I've seen, and particularly the brief that we're working with right now is targeted for women in their late 20s. That's good to hear because um, it's hard for me to get excited about it right now outside of the, you know, my profession. 
um, but as a person. Um, and, 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 I, and I would caveat that with the other concern that you should have that you and I both have to think about a lot is, you know, where's the beef in terms of where's the money? Because right. it's, still, it's still squishy. Um, you know, you've got the Hollywood craziness of production, but then you want to start trying to figure out how do you, uh, how do you take these messages and how do you get them in places? Because um, you just can't set up VR experiences for people to come in. It's, you know, right now it's still driven as a place-driven opportunity. There are people who are looking at building VR ad networks, VR television programming. You know, so that, you know, I think that's a key question to me is, is you have this great opportunity. Now, how are you going to take it out to your various audiences? And it's something that we're thinking a lot about. And right now, it's, it's very nascent in terms of some real intelligence. Right. So you're really talking about the infrastructure that will follow any sort of platform that, that uh, kicks in. So we're going to take a break in a moment. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about what the role of strategy is now to, to a marketer. Because, you know, you used to have these big agencies that, you know, handled the strategy and handled the creative and handled the media. And now then it got very siloed. And now it's coming back to a more integrated model. But who now really handles the strategy for clients and what type of strategy? And is it just digital or is it just media? And, and you know, where does a brand go? So we're going to be back in a minute with the fabulous John Durham talking more about strategy, the future of the agency model, and also where do ideas come from? So more insights from John Durham and the Tech Cat when we come back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan and co-host Gisela Gonzalez. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. If you're interested in gaining strategies to be more successful both at work and your personal life, check out Turn the Page with host Hemda Mizrahi. It's all about building new habits and perspectives. The show helps you identify the changes you need to make that align with your values and priorities. And then apply these principles to your career, health, social life, and other areas. These are proven techniques that work. Turn the Page airs live Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. 
This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hello, everybody, and we're back with the fabulously insightful John Durham talking about the role of strategy for marketers and where are brands going right now to engage with strategy, to, to get their strategy, because the role of, of the agency is, is changing so much. So, John, what are your thoughts about that? Well, we built an agency. You know, we built our business predicated on strategy because so many people immediately want to go to execution, particularly in the digital space. You know, I saw that, you know, from 96 to, you know, very early on, and you saw it all through is you need strategy. You need some kind of game plan. People were funding, uh, venture guys were funding, men and women were funding all sorts of companies, but there was no plan. Like, let's just go do television. Let's just go do this. Let's go buy banners and let's get customers without some kind of thought and process to do this. So we organized around strategy. It's really been interesting because in the last few years, we're seeing more and more players get into it. We run up against the McKinsey's, the Bain's, the Deloitte's because, you know, that's something they understand critically is, is business strategy. Now they've added the elements of marketing strategy to the play um, and they're, they're helping drive activity because brand CMOs who are significantly part of the C-suite executive team you know, it's not a digital strategy anymore. It's not a traditional strategy. It's just a strategy because digital is just it's so mainstream. And anybody says to me that it isn't, I'm like, you know, you're, you're 20th century. So it's marketing strategy is so important. Agency, you know, the big holding companies are realizing that they need to go back to their roots because they're losing some of that business to the McKinsey's. Uh, and once McKinsey start getting into the tactical side or the Deloitte's and other players, it's going to be a significant game change in the whole agency environment. Do you think that that's going to be what's ultimately going to happen is that instead of going, say, to an inner public and a McCann World Group, and I just mentioned it because that's my old home, that I would go instead to a Deloitte or a McKinsey who would start to have all the different pieces of the puzzle for me? Yeah, it's an interesting question. It's one that I've really been looking at the last two years. I know when I used to be um, business development, rent business development for CARA, part of Aegis, the biggest challenge, some of my bigger competitors at the time were not just, you know, IPG or, or Starcom. You would occasionally get a McKinsey or a Deloitte or a Bain or somebody in there and a Accenture because, oh, they just wanted to sort of get it. Not necessarily they were winning the business, but they were beginning to like, let's dabble in this, let's understand because it's significant dollars. Um, I still think the holding companies can win this because they fundamentally understand not only the beginning, but they also understand the middle and the end game and they have better people at it. Uh, it's not just, it's not just uh, a science, it's an art in science. And this is where I do think the holding companies and this is where I still think the agencies can win in the game, but if they let them continue to get this front end part, they're going to start nibbling at that middle, and I think that that's going to hurt. Um, but they have to. They, I, I believe wholeheartedly, Lori, that the uh, holding companies do understand that, and they're beginning to really see the opportunity that they've got to invest in that front end. 
And you've seen that with some of the hires uh, that you read about in all the trades. Well, what are they going to do, though, when I think about, you know, my years at the big company? They can't really be nimble, right? They can't move fast. Everything is so process-driven. They have to um, figure out ways to pay for all those FTEs or full-time employees. It's all about butts and seats, right? So what do, what do you do in an environment like today where VR has just hit the world and all of a sudden you have to be able to figure out VR and what does that mean and what's the cost structure and how should what talent do we have and all these things that some of the boutique agencies are doing better and, and frankly the technology companies are doing better and they're starting to also be competitive to the agency. So w- w- it, it, are you really so sure that the holding companies are going to be able to handle this? I think the holding companies and the agencies, I'm a big believer. I mean, when people tell me the agency model is dead or broken, I think that's that you're, you're on drugs. That's like saying television is dead. It is being, it's being re, it's being re-engineered. I think the holding companies, I think the independents, because they still understand that it is still about messaging and it is about, you know, media and they understand how to bring that together and that they can find strategy. Um, I right now think the independent uh, agencies are probably doing a better job of it. It's going to be a different cost structure. Uh, it is going to be nimble. You're going to have to be on top of it. The communication planning side is is going to be very critical. So understand planning, and I think the uh, the McKinseys of the world don't necessarily get that as well. They wouldn't know how to look at VR. They wouldn't know how to look at the Internet of Things or how, how mobile and tablet is playing in, in interesting ways from both a messaging and a media perspective. You know, as, it, yeah, go as, ahead. I'm sorry. No, as a stockholder in, in each of the holding companies, you know, I do believe that they are going to figure it out. They either do it through acquisition. They'll bring in some high-powered people because the brands are demanding it. The brands are not unwilling to spend money. In fact, now more than ever, they need this attention economy is going to be extraordinarily visible for the next five to seven years. Who's going to win this battle is who's going to win the front end because the strategy has to be right. You can't afford you can't afford not to know what's out there, not to know what your competitors are doing and not to know where that hidden competitor is, because who would have thought, you know, the idea of literally five or six years ago that the whole taxi industry would have been disrupted. Uh, strategically. So what does that mean? What does that mean for the car business? Uh, does Detroit thinking about is to thinking about riderless cars and how does that and how is that messaging? And the other thing that you did allude to is one that I think is is scary is the big publishing companies are saying, you know what, to brands, we can provide those services. Because that leads into the real core question, where are ideas coming from? And CMOs are asking everybody. There's no longer this linear path of, hey, I'm going to go to my account executive at the agency, task him or her with, you know, this, this, and this. They're going to go where people are bringing them ideas. And right now, probably some of the better ideas are coming out of publishers. But if I were an agency, I am not going to sit around and let other people win, which win these battles. But but just, um, and I don't mean to be the uh, picking on the holding company girl here, but uh, just just for the sake of conversation, 
Are agencies able to rejigger their operations to get to what you're talking about? Because they really are built on an old manufacturer model, right? Right. So even just procurement, I mean, I can't tell you how many colleagues of mine who are vendors, you know, end up like calling around to see who's already a vendor with some of these big companies so they don't have to wait a year to get paid on something, right? So, you know, do you think they'll be able to become more fluid and flexible or will it be, will they have to downsize or, you know, what, what's it going to take to, to get them to be able to compete in, the, in this environment? Boy, if I could answer that right now, I think I would be able to. Uh, <laughs> Give gonna, me the answers. <laughs> you know, with, with the CMOs that I interact with, is and, and we we talk to a lot of them and on behalf of of of, uh, of clients and publishers and in some instances agencies and in some instances brands are wanting to know what other people are doing and how they're thinking about this front end is they do believe that the holding company can provide very tactical media buying at a, at an extraordinarily high efficient level. Creative is all over the road. If I would actually worry if I were a holding company about. If, you're heavily invested in creative because that is to me is a big yellow light and a lot of interesting independents really do very well with there. So the holding model, you know, is going to be about acquisition strategy firms are going to be five to seven to nine, nine women and men in key places in the country, not necessarily in New York, such as Austin, Los Angeles, San Diego, San Francisco, even the East Bay, Seattle, all sorts of places that do understand and think about the business and think about the marketing business overall. And again, a lot of them like being independent. They like being able to go to clients elsewhere. As far as getting paid, I think that's going to work out. I think this whole procurement thing, we've gone through so much and you can just beat the crap out of people in price. And sooner or later, then when you start doing that, value goes away. And you talk to a lot of CMOs in the past two years. I've talked to over 100 of the Fortune 500, and their biggest concern is the talent drain. And I come back to, well, you're not paying for it. So sooner or later, you got to pay for it. Either they're hiring them in-house, which is to me very scary, or they're smart and let them go to the right places, build the nuances, and pay fair prices. The idea of just of, of paying outrageous is going to go away. But I do believe that they're going to pay fair. And I think we're going to find pricing models in 16 that are going to work. Do you think I'm beginning to see some early stages of that. Well, do you think it's going to be so that uh, agencies will start to work with a lot of third parties because they have that expertise, like you're saying, and, and that'll be a more comfortable model rather than a sort of very protective against consultants model? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's comforting to us consultant types. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna want to pick your brain and pick your expertise and pick your knowledge, not only because you, you understood what was, but you also have a vision and a lens into what will be. And because the talent drain is so challenging and so damning right now that you're able to come in and provide that lens and they're going to pay for it. They're not going to pay outrageous, but they're going to pay for it. Hey, I'm a girl of simple means, really. So, 
<laughs> Simple and elegant. Come on. <laughs> well, one one of the things that comes up for me when I talk to a lot of my agency friends is fear. They they seem to be operating in a very fearful environment right now, especially the media folks. Um, do do you think that fear is going to dissipate? Well, I think if, if you're approaching this from a fear perspective, you need to go to Starbucks and be a barista and just get out of the business. <laughs> uh, if, if you need to approach this as risk, I think that when you view this opportunity with risk, you're going to win the game. Yes, it is challenging, but it is risk. Brands are at risk. You walk into a, a grocery store, you walk into um, Union Square, how do brands stay out? They're looking for women and men to help them better find ways to tell their story. And in doing so, they'll not only pay for it, they're going to embrace it. I, you know, I, I've never operated out of fear because when you operate out of fear, you're not going to make the smartest decisions. I think you operate with, you operate with the risk, you know, and, and when doing that and you work with brands who bring that sense of risk um, because they realize it, risk is, a, is an integral part of competition, an integral part of marketplace, they're going to do well. And, I, and I'll tell anecdotally a, a good story. I take my students every semester shopping at Union Square on a Saturday. I say, let's go down. We'll take you about, it's about a three-hour shopping experience, and they can go in a variety of different stores, all the high-end stores in Union Square in San Francisco. They walk into the San Francisco Shopping Center, the big mall, and different places, and they have all these different questions that they have to do in small little teams. And part of it is visual. And, and part of it is, you know, like, how do they package in stores? How do they seduce you in there with sights and smells and sounds and words? And, how they, and when they come back on that Monday or that next time in class, they talk about all these things. And all of them talk about stores that really do interesting things when they approach, how they use interesting windows, how they're doing things. And it's because they think about taking risks for that customer. Customers like risk. Customers like opportunity. They don't like fear. And I think we as marketers, if you operate out of fear, you're not going to win. You're not going to win in today's environment. Right. They can kind of smell it. Well, when we come back, I want to dig a little bit into uh, what's happening out there that really intrigues you from the tech trends perspective. You know, what, what tech is out there that, you know, besides virtual reality, but just in general, that's really turning you on and that your clients are inquiring about and that all these great CMOs that call you for advice all the time are talking to you. So when we come back, Mr. John Durham and the Tech Cat. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. 
With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to lori at techcat.tv. That's lori at techcat.tv. Hello, and we're back talking with the fabulous John Durham, who's the CEO and managing partner for Catalyst S plus F. And John is a longtime marketer and someone that uh, major CMOs from many of the large brands across the country uh, call up and ask for his advice on what's happening in the industry. So, John, I was asking you about what, what tech trends are bubbling up out there that you think are interesting and that some of these CMOs are calling you and either are fretting about or are looking for guidance. Everybody's talking about which screen is really relevant. It's no longer television or mobile or laptop. It's which screen do we effectively want to talk to our consumers or our, any of our customers. I dislike using that word consumers. It's where, where do we want to talk to our customers? So I think screen, the mentality of it's any screen, any time. You know, with that comes a play that they realize that intimacy of the mobile, the phone, uh, is is the one they have to really think about, Lori, and gosh, how do you message on that? How do you get people's attention? And they're so engaged in it. So as a brand, how does it, how does it cut through? Uh, I just got the new iPad Pro. I am, oh my gosh, I am like a little kid. That is, that is the most <laughs> fascinating. It's like everything I liked about my laptop, everything I liked to like about iPad. I just feel like I'm on a whole new canvas, and I was watching... Uh, some stuff on Hulu last night on it, and it's just so stunning HD, and it you just feel like you're you're uh, you're you're engaged. It it almost had a VR effect to a degree. It was really nice. I think Apple TV is something that everybody is looking at, looking to see how that's going to play. But everybody's everybody's talking about the mobile screen the screens, you know, and it's whether it's three inches, five inches, seven inches, or a hundred inches. Which screen, and then how do you effectively message? And I think that's the thing that everybody is, you know, secretly asking. You know, what are you doing about messaging? How are we, how are we bringing that into the forefront? Because that's what's going to cut through the clutter. I think we figured out the science and media. I don't think we figured out the the art in uh, messaging yet. Do you um, have you read about Google's sort of? you know, conversation about micro moments, which, you know, we've identified as a trend for, for CES, which is this idea that all the action is happening in that moment when that phone comes out and that that's where brands should start to play in these micro moments. Absolutely. Uh, and there's even a mobile ad network, um, 
Akai, A.K.I. That's all of it's called the moment, the moments mobile network. You know, moments, moments to me really come from what I believe is what it's all about. And that's audiences and behaviors. And if you understand and know who your audience is and understand and get into their behavior, then you're going to be able to really effectively message and media to them. And I think moments is such an integral part of behaviors. I think we act sometimes as marketers, we forget we're customers. We go to grocery stores. We sit on home on Thanksgiving afternoon, multitasking, buying online and looking at television and being passive. And I think you have to think about life as a series of moments. And when you do that, you're, I, think you're, I, think it's a, I think it's something that's always been there. I think Google hit us in the head and saying, duh, it's, it's the V8 of thinking. <laughs> you know, I really do. I, I'm a big believer that it's AB, audiences and behaviors. That's how I predicate everything. Who's your audience? What's your audience? What are their behaviors? And then ultimately you can third that the third part, which is the why, the whole Ted, the whole Ted thing about the why. Well, what does a brand do if they haven't, you know, built a mobile infrastructure yet? I mean, are, is, are they screwed or is that something that, you know, you can get it together on? I think you can get it together. I mean, you know, we live in a, you know, it's still, it's still decently enough early um, in the sense that you can. But, you know, if, we're, if you and I are having this conversation in 2020, that brand is going to go the way of, you know, brands and history books that were good at one time and no longer relevant. You have got to think about what a mobile experience is. You just have to. If you don't, you, and what that mobile experience means. Do because you, that screen is the, that, that personal screen is, is so in the forefront of the customer. I was going to ask you, because this is the question that I get a lot, and everyone is asking me, if I go Apple, am I all Apple, you know, or should I go Android or what do I do? And is it really going to be the war of Apple and Android? Because even now, as we're starting to look at new, pla- new platforms and new frontiers like the connected home and the, and the car, it seems to be an Apple and Android war again. So w- what are your thoughts on those two worlds? Well, that's a big one. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, who's going to win that supremacy? Um, I'm an Apple person, so I get a bit frustrated because it, you stay in that you stay in that whole engagement with them, and every time you you get something new, you have to almost buy new toys, buy new accessories. But we all do it because we, you know, we're there. Android is doing some fascinating things as well. I mean. I've seen some of the Samsung phones and the stuff that they're doing, as well as some of the other carry uh, other uh, producers. You know, I'm going to bet on Apple. I think it's. Are they going to play well in the sandbox? I don't know. Um, gosh, I don't. I don't have a total read on that yet. My my gut is that Apple. I, maybe because I'm very I'm very biased. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. We, I mean, I think we all are to a certain extent. I mean, it's really interesting um, just to see what's happening in the connected home arena. You know, because a couple of years ago, there were a variety of different protocols out there, and you saw these coalitions launching that were trying to unite them all. And now it feels like once again, it's Apple and Android, and it's the same thing with the car, where you had all the OEMs doing their own thing. 
and now it seems like it's Apple and Android again, you know, um, which I don't think that's the interesting screen to me. That's the interesting play is who's going to win in that screen in your car. You know, um, right now I plug in my, you know, my Apple into my Audi and, you know, it plays my music really well and it does good stuff. Who's going to, who is going to win that screen? Because I think that transportation piece is a, is an integral screen that is going to be the the battle. Yeah, I think that's a, uh, the area that people are the most excited about as we head into uh, the Consumer Electronics Show and South by Southwest and all these other industry shows that are coming up in the next year. Everyone's kind of really curious about auto- uh, automotive. And will they have to develop an expertise for creating content in that experience? They will. I mean, you know, if more and more people are in these vehicles and, you know, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's in that back seat, how these screens play. I mean, I, you know, I like waves and waves tells me how to get to point A to point B in today's environment. Well, when someone is doing that, why couldn't there be an interesting audio play with that? You know, they're already, they already know a lot about me. Um, my car knows significant about me. The, and it, in such an interesting place, they know that I like to stop every morning on the way at Pete's Coffee and, you know, they could, they could be doing a lot of stuff getting me ready for, for that stop. It, it's, it's an interesting environment. And, and I'm convinced that both Apple and Android, and probably right now Android's probably a little ahead of the game in the car because Google's been playing there a lot longer. But I, I don't discount the uh, Apple game. They have strong relationships with Tesla. They are doing interesting things. BMW has worked with them. I think what you, it's going to be interesting what you see at CES in 2016 and 2017, as well as South by Southwest. And have you had any clients come to you and ask for automotive strategy? No, because they're not yet. Um, we have worked with a couple. Um, I don't want to say they have their head in their sand, but they're sort of waiting to see who's going to get in the ballpark first with some kind of direction. Yeah, it's so interesting because think about it. If you're in an autonomous car and you're not having to pay attention to driving, what are you going to be doing? (laughs) Texting takes on, shopping, you know, ordering, communicating. It's, you know, the whole world is is opening up and the living laboratory right now, we don't know. Uh, yeah, it's it's a fascinating time. Well, we're we're going to take a break in a moment, but when we come back, uh, I'd love to look, know what inspires you because you have so many people calling you. Um, you know, all these wonderful uh, senior leadership at brands, and I'm I'm just wondering, you know, what turns you on? What have you? What what do you go to? What do you read? Where where do you get? your inspiration from because um, there's so many shows out there and you're for god's sakes you're in san francisco you know are you constantly going to start up uh startup you know battles i mean how how do you separate out what to go to and what to listen to and what to read you want me to answer that now yeah sure give it to well, me <laughs> i am a voracious reader um and i because i i love getting out and observing i go to events I subscribe to about 60 magazines. Um, I love looking at the ads in them. There's several that I actually love reading the content, many podcasts, uh, read many daily newspapers online. 
Um, it used to be about 80 magazines. I'm slowly drifting them oh off goodness. because they're all beginning to um, move online. I, I, I am a, I'm a bit of an Anglophobe, though. I think a lot of interesting intelligence and insights come out of the UK. I'm a big fan of the drum. I like marketing. I like campaign because you see interesting thought, strategy, good ideas. Uh, I think the drum is probably one of the best media trade publications out there. All right, hold on, John. We're going to take a break and come back and hear some more of that. I appreciate it. And when we come back, more with John Durham and the Tech Cat. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. The key point of contact between consumers and brands is technology. StoryTech, a boutique agency, empowers you to use that tech to deliver your message, engage your customers, and raise the bottom line. How do you track and exploit the trends? How do you stay ahead of industry disruption? And how do you maximize profit from content? From strategy to execution, the answer is StoryTech. Inform. Innovate. Create. Visit us at story-tech.com. That's story-tech.com. Your entrepreneurial vision has taken hold. Your business is growing. It's everything you hoped for. Or is it? With growth comes bigger headaches, more hiring, more capital, more customers to satisfy, more employees to manage, more plates to juggle, and more demands on your time. Get off that merry-go-round now. Tune in to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. You'll meet street-smart entrepreneurs and business leaders sharing their success stories as well as practical solutions to the unique challenges faced by growing companies. Heard every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. This is the Tech Cat Show with Lori H. Schwartz. If you want to find out more about our show or to leave a comment or question, send an email to Lori at TechCat.tv. That's Lori at TechCat.tv. Hi, everybody, and we're back talking to the fabulous John Durham. And we were just talking about what you like to read and where you get your inspiration from. And you were mentioning the drum and sort of comparing what the UK does well in terms of live case studies versus uh, what what we do in the States and sharing information. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because it's really interesting. One of the things, and this is really important issue for me. One of the things that I think digital does really well is it democratizes information and accessibility. Because I mean, I sit in class and you'll say something and people immediately will go to their, their phone or something and say, yeah, but it says this. And they'll like, yes, and look at this. They get so engaged because that's what, that's what digital does. It is very disconcerting when you've been in a meeting or you're at a conference and someone puts up this wonderful case study about this technology or this ad or did something and like it moved X and they say a well-known car company or a very large uh, consumer products company. Why are we afraid to name it? Why shouldn't, you know, we live in a world where people can still find out, but in the UK, 
the men and women who write for the drum and the other publications, you know, and the brands and the agency people, they actually share, they actually share. It increases knowledge, it increases value. And I don't know why we're afraid to do that in the U.S. Uh, maybe that's that fear element that we talked about earlier. I don't know. But it, it is a bit galling to see a case study that says a well-known car manufacturer. You've been in those meetings. And yeah. You roll, your, you roll your eyes and you say, really? I know it's Ford or I know it's BMW. That's fun. In the UK, one of the reasons why I enjoy reading it is, you know, they push you to the envelopes of thinking. They share knowledge. Uh, some of the stuff, some of the people write is, you know, that's, it's wacky. Um, but guess what? At least it gets you to think. And, you know, you're reading about something and you see Coca-Cola move sales in the UKX and you, you see why and how it happened. You're like, wow, that's a true learning. And I think it comes back to me, Laurie, that I think digital is just so transformational in the sense that it's such a knowledge opportunity for us all. Well, you were also um, talking to me about what inspires you, um, you know, outside of just what, what you're reading. So tell us some more things that inspire you because people come to you to be inspired. So I'm wondering, where are you going? Well, I like, I, as I said, I, I, one of the reasons why I enjoy teaching is it keeps you fresh. You get to see students who are using media, consuming media. They're also customers and you can ask them all sorts of questions. And that, that has, through the years, allowed me to stay on top of things well in advance and also to share with clients and friends and uh, even people I don't necessarily like. Come, come talk to my students. They're great. They're great in the business. A lot of them are, are working in a lot of different places. What I'm particularly intrigued about right now, and this is a probably, you know, there's an old adage, you never talk politics or religion. Uh, I am intrigued by what is happening in the U.S. in the presidential election because all the rules that we know about political marketing, all the rules that we know about the conversation and discourse are totally destroyed. And Donald Trump is disrupting the presidential election in ways that I don't think anybody, anybody can comprehend. This morning I saw an interesting stat on one of the, uh, uh, I'm a big fan of MSNBC, and they said Trump, when they said Rubio, Cruz, and Bush have spent $40 million. Trump has spent 300000 Right. <laughs> I mean, so it's, you know, all the thing about political advertising, moving messaging, does stuff, that's thrown out the window. Here is a man who is just saying outrageous things, truth be damned, and he is consuming liberal and and conservative talk shows he is disrupting he's disrupting politics which i did not think would be disrupted for a long period of time i just find it fascinating so what does that mean for brands that means you know what does that mean for for us as customers gosh only knows i just think it's a fascinating thing to think about right now do you think that he has a chance of being elected or is it just a sideshow? Because I mean, I think it's great entertainment, but I can't take him seriously. I, cause you and I live, you and I live in California where we're all smart. Um, I, you know, <laughs> it's an interesting question. I think Trump is both at a floor and a ceiling. Cause I don't, you know, his numbers stay consistent. Um, I think his, his, his people that like him taking seriously, no, but I, I don't think he can. I, 
I, I think the Republicans, I don't think they, you know, I, I think they are going to have a tough fi- time finding somebody to beat, uh, to beat Secretary Clinton. Um, I just, I hope not. I mean, what is interesting, it is he is the culture president. He is the first person to utilize culture and technology in a way that no one else has done in politics because he is, you know, he's played the television game. He knows how to work TV. He's a voracious user of Twitter and Instagram and he's, and Snapchat. He's made those technologies almost, almost as his best friends. Mm -hmm. Plus he's played culture really well. He knows how to work uh, Fox and MSNBC as well as ABC, NBC, CNN and all. And he just says these outrageous things and nobody calls him a liar because they don't know what to do. This is fascinating. It's, to me, it strikes me as just, you know, uh, shocking and entertainment, but not um, presidential. Absolutely. But again, but what is, you know, as he would say, what is, pre- what is presidential? Uh, look, I'm not, I'm not for him by any means. I just find what he's doing disrupting an industry that I thought would not be disruptive. I mean, I knew technology was a tool with what Obama um, has done in 08 and 12 and, and Romney as well, I did not think he would disrupt the basics of political discourse the way that he has. Yeah, it's, it's pretty creepy scary. Well, where are you uh, publishing? So um, as we wrap up the show, where can people hear more from you? Well, we do a series on Catalyst called Bespoken uh, in which I... I do book reviews. I like to read, so I read a lot of the business literature out there. For the most part, I've liked most of the books that I've read. A couple of them I've trashed because I thought they were the biggest waste of money. Um, but a lot of, I, we do that two or three times a month. Uh, that pretty much is it. I'll occasionally do some things um, in, in some various circuits. But I like, I like being in the back listening and watching other people. But we do Bespoken uh, to stay on top of... Um, trends and and what's out there in the literature because i think there are a lot of people writing good stuff well um we can find bespoken on youtube and on facebook if we track john durham and and yes, catalyst you yes you can fantastic we have to wrap up now it's been such a great uh pleasure talking to you and i think um you know you are, you literally are that that person that everyone calls to find out what's going on. And I think uh, your university association is a smart one um, as well because I do teaching um, second semester, and I think you're right. Being around, you know, those millennial minds and just students of any age is, is so insightful. It's, it's fun. I mean, you walk away as much of a student as you do a teacher. Well, is there anything that Catalyst just worked on that we can look out for before we go? Anything, uh, anything to check out? Pretty soon, a VR project that we'll be pretty excited to announce. We're, you know, we want to, we don't want to break it before early January, but be, you'll see what it is. It's in a, it's in a category that's non-sexy. It's in the financial services category. Fantastic. Well, thank you, John, so much. John Durham from Catalyst S Plus F, and uh, a man with a, a deep history in marketing and. Um, someone who knows a lot about wine too, which we didn't talk about, but you can track John on all the social media platforms and be spoken. And thanks so much for um, talking with us today. And we'll be see everyone and hear from everyone next week on the tech cat show. Thank you. 
Thanks so much for listening to the Tech Cat Show. Please join Lori H. Schwartz again for another great program next Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel and syndicated to the Voice America Women's Channel. 